Hello and welcome to Fant Line with Marvin Fant. And today's topic is financial freedom. And I'm here with Janita Jackson, Chief Financial Consultant of Infinite Potential Financial Consulting. And Janita, how are you doing today? Great, great. It's raining here in uh, Anderson, South Carolina. How's it where you're at? Yeah. What was that? It's raining in Virginia. I'm sorry, bre- breaking up a little bit. Okay. All right. Um, I have a few questions here for um for us to to um learn from and and grow in our in our finances. So let's get started. All right. Uh, we definitely can. Can I take a second just to introduce? Oh, oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. By by all means. By all means. That sounds great. And uh, where are you based? Janita. Well, our headquarters are in Alabama, and we have a satellite office in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, um, it's a little, it's a little Um, the first question I have is um, saving money. What is the uh, percentage of people you come across that save or, or try to save money? So, okay, I, I want to say that out of the percentage of people that I come across about um, a on how you're going to pay your bills. 
and how you're just going to be able to survive and make ends meet on a monthly basis. And unfortunately, when you run into situations like that, savings takes a backseat because having a roof over your head, having a meal in your stomach, you know, it's more important than putting money in the bank at that point. Right. Okay. And how often should um should you check your credit report and where? So in terms of your credit report, there's a, there are a lot of sources out there. At a minimum, and I'm saying at the bare minimum, you want to make sure that you're checking your credit report yearly, on a yearly basis. And they actually have uh, free methods that you can utilize in order to do this. You can go to www.annualrecreditreport.com and you can receive a free copy of your credit reports from all three bureaus. When you go to the one site, it actually has links to, uh, to TransUnion, to Equifax, and to Experian, and it takes you to those sites individually, and you get all three reports. So at a bare minimum, I would say one time a year. But if you want to make sure that you're covering all bases, um, especially with us living in a, a time frame where identity theft is prevalent, I would say to make sure that if nothing else, you participate in one of the free credit monitoring sites like Credit Karma or Credit Sesame. So I don't recommend following the recommendations that they give you on those sites. They're, they are good sources to be able to provide you with your Vantage TransUnion and your Vantage Equifax score. So you can at least get a baseline for where you are and see stuff as it pops on your report. All right, that's good to know. Can you still hear me? Janita. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. All right, just having, still just having to um, work out these um, technical difficulties. Okay, my next question is this. How essential is having good credit versus bad credit in buying a home or a car? Thousand extra dollars would 
specifically be correlated to the fact that that person has bad credit. So bad credit costs you more money over time. Right. Okay. And I think that um, more people need to pay attention to their APR because when people go for cars, a lot of times it's in the contract, but they don't pay attention. And so they don't even realize over the course of loans, you're spending thousands of more dollars. Right. And explain it. And you didn't even stop to ask a question about it. And explain what is the APR. APR is your annual percentage rate that you're paying. Right. And any loan that you qualify for, even people who apply for credit cards, you know, you get a statement and it's usually in bold and they tell you what your APR is. So if a person is applying for a credit card because they don't have any credit, a lot of times they'll get an APR at like 24.99% starting off. Well, they're going to pay more over time if they're carrying balance on that credit than somebody who has good credit that may have a 0% APR or like a 1% APR. Okay. And uh, what is a good credit score? A good credit score, uh, the... So, for FICO purposes, credit scores start from 350 and they go up all the way up to 850. A good credit score, and I'm just saying good, is considered to be anything in the 600 range, preferably above 620. At a 620, you can actually qualify to purchase the home. At a 640, you can qualify to purchase the home and actually be eligible for down payment assistance programs if they have them in your your area. Anything higher than a 640 is actually considered more so ranging from good to excellent credit score. Anything over 700 is considered to be excellent credit. So, would so that, a bad credit hmm? So would that be called an a, a, a one? Yes, A1. Like you walk in, they roll out the red carpet because they absolutely want to do business with you because right. they want you to spend your money with them. Versus if you have like a 350 credit score, a 450 credit score... 550, you know, anything below 600, where you're going to be put in a position where you may have to go to buy your pay your dealer, mm-hmm. your interest rate is going to be high, and you'll actually spend more money over time. So it's, it's kind of like riding, it's kind of like saying you riding first class versus coach. It, that's exactly what it is, <laughs> you know, first class. Do you want the blankets, the pillows? Yes, we get you something to drink versus your seat is back there. Okay. Uh, what is the best way to bolster your score? What's the best way to bring it up? Or some some of the ways? Um, you need to focus on credit mix. For some people, they don't have credit. And so when you don't have credit, it is, in order to bolster your score, you do have to have a credit card. A lot of people don't know that. If your credit score is not at a point where you can get approved for a credit card, um, you have some people that can get approved for a credit card at like a 550 they're just going to have a high APR. But if your credit score is lower than that, and you can't get approved for a credit card and you have a good banking relationship, getting a secured card, even if though you have to like put down a minimum payment of $200, that's actually a way that you can bolster, bolster your score. Um, participating and like um, sometimes uh, magazines like Finger Hut, they send stuff to you <laughs> in the mail. And a lot of people like, my granny used to shop there, so I don't want to shop there. But those are actually companies that are more lenient when it comes to credit. And they also report to the credit bureau so they can help you build your score. Mm-hmm. Um, self-lenders.
is actually a wonderful, wonderful tool that we use with our clients, especially uh, so self-lender is an installment loan. Having an installment loan is a part of your credit mix. Installment loans can be like a student loan, car loan, house loan. But if you don't have that, self-lender actually has a wonderful service that it provides where you actually set up a savings account with them. And so you're paying into the savings account. You pick the terms. I think um, they go from 24 months and up. But you, you're paying yourself over the course of that loan. And they're actually reporting the payments that you're making to yourself through all three of the credit people. Oh, so it's helping okay. you build positive credit and save at the same time. And then at the conclusion of that loan period, you actually have all of those funds saved up and available to you. And you can request them if you need them. Oh, that's great. So those are some ways to, <laughs> those are some ways that you can bolster your credit score. If you already have credit, watching your utilization on your credit card is so essential. It's not even funny. Um, your utilization on your credit card should not be more than 30%. What this means is if you have a credit card and your credit limit is $300, at any given time, your balance should not be any higher than $90. If it goes higher than $90, you're actually penalized for that in terms of your credit score. You lose points. Oh. And I've seen people that have their credit scores have literally dropped from the 700s all the way to the mid 500s. And it was solely based on them charging up stuff and mm. having high utilization rates. Versus their, you know, their credit limit. So that's horrible. Of course, um, making sure you pay things on time is also important because late payments also have a high impact on your credit score. Right, it'll definitely bring down the score. Yeah, it brings down the score. It brings down the score. So you can have like 24 months of good payments. One late payment can drop your score up to like 80 points. Just one. Wow. So you need to make sure that you're paying for the items that you have on time and just keeping track of that and monitoring things and then in addition to that applying for too many things at one time and i've seen this too but i don't realize this inquiries stay on your credit report hard inquiries stay on your credit report for up to two years and so if you have somebody and this often happens when people go apply for cars actually which is why we don't recommend at all that you go to a car dealership and apply through them because when you apply for a, a car at a car dealership, they actually shop your loan around All to right. see who takes it. And so you can get up to 60 inquiries <laughs> just from going to one car dealership. Mm. And if you have a lot of inquiries on your credit report, it actually impacts negatively and it can drop your score. Wow. Now that is, that's good to know. Okay. Um, When it comes to a, a 401k, explain the benefits of that. So um, a 401k is a tax advantage contribution retirement account. Generally, they are offered by employers to their employees. Workers make tax-free contributions to their 401k accounts, or they can, and it's usually done through payroll withholding, and their contributions are matched according to the company's policies and procedures. So having a good employer does come in handy here, because employers can actually match employees anywhere from 50 to 100% of what they're contributing to their own 401k. Mm-hmm. And the contributions are tax-free. 401ks are not taxed. 
when you're making the contribution. However, if the employee does come into uh, instance where they have to make a withdrawal right. of the money, that's generally when they are taxed. Unless they're older than 59 and a half, because at that point they're considered to be a retirement age, and then the withdrawals are tax-free. One of the things that I do think that's pretty awesome about um, 401k is that they do have exemptions to, usually if you take out a 401k before a withdrawal before the age of 59 and a half, you're taxed a 10% penalty by the IRS. However, there are certain circumstances that can exempt you from having to pay that penalty to the IRS. And I think having that back door can be beneficial because for some employees, it gives them the opportunity to, like, say, let's say if you were going to school mm-hmm. and you wanted to take money out of your 401k, qualified education expenses are actually exempt for that 10% penalty. If you had excessive medical bills that were in excess of 10% of your gross income, then you would be able to take out a withdrawal from your 401k. And the happiest one for me, if you are a looking to buy a home and you're a first-time homeowner mm-hmm. and you don't have the money for down payment, you can actually withdraw the funds from your 401k and it's actually exempt from that 10% penalty from the IRS. So 401k can actually help you achieve great things in life if you manage them responsibly. Hmm. Okay. That sounds good. Now, my, my next question here is now it's tax season is coming up, tax time. So, tell me the difference between filing jointly versus separately. For married. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, married individuals, um, when they file jointly, they are eligible to receive, um, if they have dependents, they're eligible to receive their income credit. If one of them is in school, they're eligible to receive the education credit. In a sense, because they're joint, they're eligible for all of the tax credits that are present. Versus if you have a couple that's filing separately, because they're filing separately, they're automatically disqualified from being able to receive the earned income credit. Even if one of them is in school, they're automatically disqualified from being able to get the education credit. And so a lot of the benefits uh, and the credits that are involved in terms of taxes are not eligible when you're utilizing the married filing separate status. Individuals that use that status are usually people that are married that do not want to be financially liable for one another. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're married filing joint and your spouse owes student loans and they're not paying their student loans, they want a default status. If you're filing jointly, the Department of Education can actually go ahead and put in a request for your tax return to be offset for the amount that's owed to the Department of Education. And they'll come in, even though you work, you didn't have anything to do with the debt, but because you're married, filing joint, they'll actually come and retrieve those funds from your tax return. Versus if you're married, filing separate, neither one of you are liable for one another financially at that point. Both of you are separate. So you would just get your return, your spouse will file separately and get their return taken. <laughs> right. So depending on your situation, there's a uh, um, a good and a bad about that. Yeah, yeah. It can be negative or it can be positive. Um, right. I actually think that the people that file jointly are, are kind of romantic and responsible too. Right. Because they're willing to put everything in together and go all in together versus the 
people that are following separately. They like, look, that's your stuff over there. This is my stuff over right, here. Right. Don't cross this line. I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, what is a dependent? Because I know some people, a lot of people, who I've come across anyway, they have a hard time trying to figure out what qualifies as or who qualifies as a dependent. And it, the lines are so clear-cut. Uh, for people that want to actually know or um, have questions about what a dependent is, I always say this. IRS.gov is an awesome resource. It's like an online encyclopedia of any term that you could ever want to define in terms of tax, tax purposes. So a dependent, a dependent is either a qualifying child or a qualifying relative. This is actually somebody that is related to you. You know, it's your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, stepson, stepdaughter. It can even be, you know, a cousin in some instances. But generally, it's a qualifying relative that's under the age of 19. They can actually be up to 24 if they're in school. They can only be up to 24 if they're in school. And this individual has to have lived with you at least six months out of the year. This is where most people drop the ball. Uh They actually have to live with you. And you have to provide over half of their care throughout the year. Ah. <laughs> and, and in a sense that they the dependent themselves cannot make more than four thousand and two hundred dollars within that year's time frame in order to be considered as a dependent. How much was that again? Four thousand two hundred dollars. Oh. <laughs> now what what's a tax credit? A tax credit is any amount of money that taxpayers can subtract from the taxes owed to their government. Right? So the way that it's used, it's used to reduce the amount that you owe. Like kind of like the own the earned income credit that reduces the amount that you owe to the government and in the same instance you're credited some of those funds back on your return. That's what a what a tax credit is. Okay, and what about a tax deduction? A tax deduction deduction is like in complete contrast to that. So when you deduct something from your taxes, a deduction actually lowers an individual's tax liability by lowering his taxable income. So it's directly correlated. Um, perfect example, if I made $30,000 a year, but I also had a business and I experienced a $10,000 loss in my business, even after I, I could have made $5,000 in my business mm. and experienced a ten or $15,000 loss. That would take my income from being $30,000 to either being $20,000 or $15,000 that the IRS will look look at in terms of what am I taxable for and what do I need to pay income taxes on. All right. So these deductions are generally subtracted from the gross income that an individual has that's used to determine what their taxable income is and how much they should pay in tax throughout the year. Okay. Now, let's get back to credit cards. Now, we are, we are, you already spoke about the... Um, now, I want to talk about credit card abuse. You know, one of the things that was mentioned is when we're not paying on time, so... Is there any other thing? Is there any any other thing that you want to talk about as far as credit card abuse? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's another 
point for you to touch on utilization. I don't think that when when people uh, charge up their credit cards, they don't realize how lenders look at them. So credit card abuse is going over 30% of your eligible credit limit. Because the higher you go, the riskier you look towards lenders. But you think about it. When you have somebody that's borrowing money, if somebody were to borrow money from you, and there was a 90% chance that they weren't going to pay you back, would you lend them the money? Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> For people that, if I have a $300 uh, credit balance, and so if I have a $300 credit limit, and my balance is $290, that's like a 90% chance that I'm not going to pay back. Right. Because usually when people um, get charged off accounts, they go hard and they, then they go home. Meaning that they don't get a charge off when the balance is like $10 or $20. So the, the, the balance is usually like either at the credit limit or sometimes it's even over the credit limit when the account is charged off. So the closer you are to that credit limit, the more likely it's looking to the lender that you're not going to pay those funds back. If, if you have a $5,000 credit limit and your balance is at 4900 they're looking at you like, you know what, it's a possibility that we're not going to get this back. Because at that point, what you're showing the lender is that you're not doing well and you're not being responsible with the credit that was granted to you. Right. Exactly. They can probably look at your spending habits at that point and they can see that you're not utilizing credit for need. You're utilizing credit for want and you're just spending frivolously. You're buying clothes or purses, things that you could like really put off to a different time. Mm-hmm. And you're not using your credit responsibly. So that's definitely, that definitely is what credit card abuse is. Um, I would definitely recommend, especially when you are first starting with credit, to keep your balances lower and to only purchase items that you know that you'll be able to pay the balance off of within a short time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, the most wealthy people and the smartest people in terms of finances, they actually try to pay the balance off in full within a 30-day time frame because that's how you actually get over on the credit card company versus them getting off of, getting over on you. Right. Because if you pay it off within the first 30 days, you don't even have to pay any interest rate on the amount that you use or you borrow versus if you're stretching it out, now you have interest fees every month. And a lot of people don't realize your interest fees add up. Right, and if you, you have a high balance and they're charging you interest fees and then you're not paying on time so they're charging you late fees now you have like 30 to 40 dollars worth of just fees mm-hmm. being added to your balance on top of what you owe as your minimum payment too in a lot of situations depending on how much the interest has gone up to you you're basically paying on the interest and not even hitting that you know the meat of it the meat of that pay right you're payments. not even hitting that you're not even hitting the the balance at right. all. And so you're just placing yourself in a position where you're going to be paying this off over uh, a length of time. And when you actually look at it long term, the people who you borrow from don't care because it benefits them. Right. If we if you spend three hundred dollars and with the interest rate and fees and over the course of the amount of time that you want to go to pay us back three hundred, we get six hundred. Are we complaining? <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> we just thankful that you're paying how you're paying. So, yeah. Now, also, I, I noticed at this time of the year, there are a lot of scammers out here who know that people are getting ready to come into some money with tax refunds. 
because I myself, I'll get calls that'll say various things like, oh, you, um, um, you owe some money, blah, blah, blah. And I know good and well, I, first of all, you're not saying who you are. I don't owe, I don't owe anything out, but yet they, they'll try to use scare tactics and it's work. It works on some, some people because I have some friends who they, they've been scared into giving up information, thinking that they're going to be arrested. Tell me about some of these things that that you know of, or ways to spot scammers. Um, well, one, um, people just need to be aware of their rights. Even if it's a collection company and you owe them, they can't call you and threaten to get you locked up. So the ones that call you and threaten, oh, we're going to press charges, we're going to have you locked up, that's an automatic sign of a scammer. Because there are laws in place to protect you from collection agencies actually being able to contact you and do that. Um, also, if it's a collection agency and they call and they call you, you have the right as a consumer to tell them that you don't want them calling you anymore and that whatever it is, send it to you in writing. Mm-hmm. I would also tell them to refuse to verify any information because a lot of times you're giving them information that they don't even have i can google you and i can maybe get your address and your phone number but i can't get your date of birth i can't get your social security card and i can't get your bank information so this is all information that if i have you on the phone you can give to me which is why we definitely tell our clients do not verify any information over the phone just politely let them know to send it to you in writing Right. I'm also glad that you mentioned scammers because you are right around this time. People often complain about getting phone calls from the IRS. Mm-hmm. I do need to say the IRS does not call anybody. <laughs> right. Right. Any any correspondence or information from the IRS is transmitted via mail. They send you a letter via mail. So if, if someone ever gets a phone call saying, "Oh, this is the IRS." It is absolutely not the IRS, and that is a scammer, and they should hang up and not give them any information or send them any money. Because unfortunately, for the people who fall for those scams, once they send the money, there's no way that they can get it back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, student loans. Um, what are some of the best ways to pay them off? Are, are there government assistance programs out there to help pay them?
Um, the best thing for you to do is to look and see if there are any programs eligible for, for your particular field. I know for a fact there's like a student loan forgiveness program for teachers. There's a student loan forgiveness program for public service workers. So for a public service worker, if you're in the public service field, you start the process. They'll put you on a payment plan. You pay your student loans on time for 10 years. They come back and they reevaluate the plan. And then they actually forgive either all or a portion of your student loans. So being aware of programs that are out there meant to help you. And again, a lot of them are based on your particular field. I think it's essential when it comes to student loans, but also uh, being aware of your own options. Like if you you have student loans and they have a high APR, you may want to look at consoli- consolidating your student loans to get all the loans into one payment mm-hmm. to make it more manageable for you to handle, you know, on a monthly basis. If yeah. you feel like you can't pay your student loans mm-hmm. back or you feel like you're not making enough, you can actually contact your student loan provider and they can put you on an income-based repayment plan that takes into consideration the amount of money that you're actually bringing in and it, it gives you a payment that'll put you in a position where it's not such a hardship for you to be making your student loan pay. Okay. Great information. What you don't want to do is try to defer forever because some people do that. I'm going to defer until I die. That is what some people are going to try to do. <laughs> that is not what you want to do. <laughs> okay. And I got, um, got a, just a few more questions here how would you start a budget how, how would you start because I, I some people would think well either i'm too far in now or i'm too old but um i've, I've come to find out hey just as long as you start and be consistent with it so how would you start a budget um, you're never too old to start a budget, so I definitely root you on there. Um, it definitely is something that you have to be consistent with. Starting a budget is the first step towards taking control over your finances. And with your money, either you will control your money or your money will control you. People who find themselves in debt are actually living a lifestyle that allows their money to control them. So starting a budget starts with examining your debt examining your monthly bills um if you have a significant other it would be of course your conjoined monthly bill mm-hmm. you need to know where every dollar is going so this means that you know if you're in a house whether you be in a house or an apartment you're pulling how much you pay for mortgage you're pulling how much you pay for rent you're looking at the amount that you're spending on lights on gas and on different things because a lot of times people don't even realize they're paying money out for services that they don't even need and i'll give an example with this um, I had cable for Uverse for the longest, but Uverse for the longest. And my contract, I think all of my little specials that fell off in the cable bill was over $254 a month for cable, internet, and the home phone. And as a parent, the bulk of the reason why I had cable was, you know, for my daughter, because I wanted her to be able to have access to all the little children's stories and the children, you know, shows, Disney, Disney Plus, boom, all of those channels. My daughter's a teenager. But one day, she just told me, Mom, I don't even watch TV. I watch YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and Netflix. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> right. Both of those are services that, that are available via streaming. Mm-hmm. You don't need cable for YouTube or Netflix. And so 
cut my cable bill. <laughs> so, and, ba- and basically, it's just a matter of realizing what, you, what excesses you have and really don't need anymore and get rid of mm-hmm. it. Yes, and trimming them. It's actually exploring... Um, David Botch calls it your latte factor. And he always has. It's realizing what your latte factor is. What is it that you need? And the latte factor comes from a story about uh, somebody who was going to Starbucks every day and buying lattes every day. You don't need a latte every day. And so he challenged that person to calculate out how much they were spending per day on Starbucks, times that by per month, times that by per year. It makes you take it into a different perspective. So it's actually looking at not only what your bills are, but also what habits are you engaging in. Um, As working adults, sometimes we eat out a lot. I can remember at one point I was going to eat out every day. Well, if you're taking into consideration on average, you spend between five to ten dollars per transaction that you're stopping at. That's like fifty dollars a week you're spending mm-hmm. just to eat out. And you already have groceries at home, but you're eating out anyway. And it's no- so it definitely is about <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with leftovers. At- yeah, nothing wrong with leftovers. So it's about looking at your latte factors and where you're spending money at. Where you can kind of trim back and repurpose those funds for something else that'll actually be better for you in the long term. Mm-hmm. You know, you could stop eating out and then start bringing your um, your your lunch from home. Bring those leftovers in. You know, love on those leftovers. It's okay. Right. You know, you can stop going out as much or you can budget that. You know, sometimes there are things that you need to do, but some people do it too frequently. You can say, okay, I'm going to eat out once a week. Well, I'm still saving $40 if I'm eating out once a week versus five. Okay. Great. That's right. <laughs> and last question for you. Now, I heard that, um, I heard uh, someone say, never pay off a debt to a debt collection agency. Is this true that you make um, other, um, what's the word I want to use here? other concessions to pay off your debt but never pay off to a debt collection yeah. agency um that is correct you definitely so um if you look at your credit report and this is anyone anytime a collection is listed on your credit report it's listed as a derogatory account any derogatory account on your credit report is actually impacting your credit score negatively so you have debt collection agencies that contact people and they get people they make sweet deals over the phone And they get people to pay them. And when they pay them, the only thing that that collection agency does is they go in and they update the debt from being unpaid to paid. And it's still in a derogatory category. And it's still negatively impacting your credit score. So I will say this. A paid collection does weigh a little bit differently than an unpaid collection. But both still negatively affect your credit score. And so you in a sense of paying them thinking that it's going to be gone, your situation is going to be better, your credit score is going to increase, and none of that happens because it's still there. Right. So if you are going to pay off a debt, the thing to do, especially if you're a consumer, is to attempt to contact the debt debt collection agency and to negotiate with them to give you an amount that you will pay them in return for them deleting the collection account from your credit report and you need to get that from them in writing if they are unable to give that to you in writing then i would not send them anything because the results are still going to be the same 
Now, if they do give you that document in writing and you negotiate, you know, your terms in terms of what you want to pay them, then by all means, pay off that amount because you can then send that letter in writing to the credit review bureau or you can then dispute it from your credit report and then it could come out permanently and that will actually help your credit score versus if you just tried to pay it off and it's still on your credit report and you thought you were solving a problem that still exists today. Hmm. That is that not again, that's great information to have. And I want to add something in here also before before we end it. And for me, me being a man of God, which and we're talking about um, finances and so forth. Now, for me, first and foremost, is the first tithe, ten percent to God, to be in line and be in order with everything, and and then you know take everything else after do everything else after that that that's me and i just wanted to add that in there too but um i want to thank you janita for your input it's been very beneficial and helpful and also i would like for you to tell the people where they can get in touch with you also if so to um to get any um financial help so go ahead and let them know contact with me or if you have um, any additional questions that you need you can get in contact with us um, at our website at www.infinitepotentialfinancial.com on our website you can actually schedule a credit consultation or a tax consultation if you need help in any of those areas um, if you need assistance setting up your business or even building business credit you can set up consultations and we'll be more than happy to assist you you have questions you can email us at info at infinitepotentialfinancial.com or you can give us a call at 888-486-0228. And we'll be more than happy to assist you with your financial needs. Wonderful, wonderful. God bless you for, and thank you for coming on. And like I said, just being a wealth of information and helping helping people out. Because that, that's, the, that's the main thing, being, being helpful to others. Because there's a lot of people out here that really we need to be educated on on finances because we hadn't been brought up that way and now's the time to start well god bless you for inviting me i'm so happy and humble and honored to be able to share my information i hope it definitely helps someone out there today to make a better change and better financial decisions in the future and i hope that everybody has a blessed and prosperous prosperous and fruitful 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and we got we got de- we have to definitely do this again because there's yeah, a lot awesome. more there's anytime. a lot more questions <laughs> a lot more i know this is like round one anytime i'll be more than happy um to fit you in my schedule and come on and and talk anytime just let me know all right thank you all right thanks bye bye